Welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. Hey, this is Ryan Parker. And uh, we are so glad you've joined us to talk about the seventh episode of WandaVision. But before we get to that, Ryan, I want to say thank you. You're welcome. For what? <laughs> you don't even... There are so many things I could thank you for. I wouldn't even know where I, to begin. This is true. Yeah. I want to thank you for telling me to watch Ted Lasso. <sighs> I just... My heart warms at the mention of the name. Dude, it is... Okay. It's the greatest show of 2020. You 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 send me stuff to watch all the time. I will admit that I watch about 50% of what you tell me to watch. I I thought you would have said 15%. Yeah, I mean I I try to, you know, respect our friendship enough that I realize you don't send me stuff unless you really think <laughs> I should watch it. Um but Ted Lasso, I was like, oh, I don't have Apple TV Plus. And then, oh yeah, wait, I think I got a free year when I got a new iPhone. So Oh, then I'm like, well, I can't watch Apple TV Plus on my Roku TV because there's no compatible app from Apple TV that works on my Roku TV. And I can't, it's an old enough Roku TV, I can't mirror from my phone up to my TV. So I'm just like, I hate watching shows on my computer because, to be honest, I spend most of the day sitting at my computer. The last thing I want to do at the end of the day is pour myself a bourbon and sit back down at my computer to watch a show. You know what I'm saying? I want to be up in my recliner in my living room. But I finally was okay, like, get well, off I'll just... Tony's lawn, everybody. <laughs> I, I know. I was like, well, I'll just watch these. I'll just watch this show on my phone while I'm at the gym. And it'll actually help me like actually do an hour on the rowing machine and do, get my cardio in. So I, you know, started downloading them onto my phone and I've been watching them at the gym. Holy crap, I love this show. And I just watched, I think I watched episode seven. Um, it's the one where they beat the team in Liverpool. It's it's really, I mean, talk about heartwarming. It's an incredibly heartwarming uh, episode. And I just wanted to say a couple things about Ted Lasso before we move on to WandaVision. I think what Ted Lasso shows me is how important writing is because it's it's a fun show. It's shot well. It's got good acting. It's got good direction. You know, it's it's fun seeing these different on location pieces in in the UK. But the writing is just perfect, and I think it's one of those examples of showing just how powerful good television writing can be to the finished product and then the other thing i was just going to say about the writing is it's like the best tv show that deals with divorce that i've seen and speaking as a divorced person yeah i'm just really impressed i'm like these writers must all be divorced because they really get it i mean they play divorce for comic value and they play it for sentimental value but in general like a lot of the show revolves around two of the main characters being divorced. I love it because it taps into some emotion that they share with one another that I think is very real. So anyway, my gratitude to you for recommending Ted Lasso. I don't know how you watch it in a public place because at the end of most episodes, I'm just an emotional mess. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right about the writing. And I would encourage you to rewatch it. We, hmm. Amy and I watched it together. And then my mom came out to visit. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast over Thanksgiving. And we rewatched it with her. Mm -hmm. And it rewards multiple viewings. Interesting. And, yeah. you know, callbacks to, to, you know, 
dialogue or jokes in one early episode and a much later episode and things like that. But to your point, yes, very well written, super sweet, in my opinion, without being saccharine. And I think in, you know, kind of commenting on that show from that perspective, I think WandaVision also benefits from really solid writing and character development. WandaVision has has great writing too. I do want to say about uh, another thing about both shows that's some overlap and then we can transition to WandaVision is Ted Lasso has a great soundtrack also. Yes. I love it. Not only are they great songs and you, you know, we, you and I have spent enough time in the TV industry to know that like you got to spend some money to get some of these songs on your show. They don't, they're not free and they're not cheap. So, you know, obviously that's a big budget show underwritten by Apple, but, um, you know, the great thing, the the reason I think, I, and I was actually like fighting back tears on, on the rowing machine today as this episode came to an end. And it's it's because I think you're really rooting for Ted and for several of the other characters in the show. You're really pulling for them. There's so many heartwarming, sympathetic figures. And I guess that leads me to my transition to WandaVision. Do you, at this point, who are you rooting for in WandaVision? I, I guess vision, right? Well, I think after this episode, for sure, I think Darcy's comment to him that his and Wanda's love is real and they belong together. I think that moves him because he immediately, you know, no real need for a recap here for assuming everybody's watching. I mean, he mm-hmm. immediately levitates out of the ice cream truck or what have you to go home. Yeah, I, but also I find myself rooting for Captain Rambo. Mm-hmm. That I thought this the moment that scene of her fighting through the barrier was extremely effective. Mm-hmm. And for people who w- know this universe, there are lines of dialogue from Captain Marvel, and uh, she moves through that and is empowered in a way because they've talked in previous episodes about that barrier reconstructing your DNA she somehow manages to fight through without being changed into a figment of of Wanda's world and then has this encounter with Wanda who is realizing or choosing not to accept the fact that her world is falling apart. More more on that in a moment. And she's able to go toe-to-toe with Wanda in a way that surprises Wanda. And she is almost, almost able to get through to her until you know who steps in. And yeah. kind of derails that progress. So we can talk about that in a moment. But that's a good question. What about you? I mean, I, yeah, I think Vision and then her own way, Wanda, to hopefully have a breakthrough. Yeah, I guess I wish we had more. I guess I wish Wanda's grief were able to be able to be seen by us. I'm stammering for words because I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want. I mean, I want. I want some insight into Wanda's grief. We know that Wanda's grief has built the hexagon and that her grief ha- has maybe brought her some temporary comfort because she gets to have vision back. But we also know that there's been all this ancillary negative effect, which is all these people are trapped in her vision in the hexagon. And they're miserable, although interestingly, you know, Darcy's not miserable because 
vision touches her forehead and kind of snaps her out of the matrix as it were and she's back to herself and and starts driving i think it's a funnel cake truck actually that she's driving and she and vision are having these conversations that are helpful not only to vision but also helpful to viewers particularly people like me who aren't super into comics, you know, and don't really know the backstory of the Avengers movies and whatever. And she kind of lays it out. Okay, you died. And then somebody, you know, this bad guy went back in time and he killed you again earlier and Wanda had to watch that. So again, we're getting this explanation of Wanda's grief. I guess I would like to see Wanda's heart a little. I'd like to see her grief. uh, So I could be rooting for her more because this is you're right and this is what monica rambo says that i think is so interesting and pivotal in this episode she's like they're gonna make you the bad guy that's what they're trying to do they want to get vision's body back because they want to use it for you know ill intent but they're going to try to make you the bad guy i know you're not the bad guy and wanda says maybe i am the bad guy yeah I love how, and we touched on this previously, I love how it's this, you know, kind of quick commentary on how people weaponize grief and anger. Yeah. And those are two of the words that are kind of defining characteristics of Wanda. And she talks about that at the beginning of the episode, like we guessed last week, that they would move into a kind of office style aesthetic, you know, modern family in this case. And she says, have you ever had those days where you're just kind of overcome by fear and anger or fear and anger get the best of you as she's talking to the camera? So I think you're right. I think what we've seen all along for people who have seen the films and the the events that Darcy talks about with vision, we really see the grief there, how, how much her heart is broken when vision dies. But at least in this series, we're really only seeing part of that, which is manifesting in anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think you're you're right. It'll be interesting to see how her heart actually is, because that fear and that anger is just kind of a defense mechanism. Yeah. And now she's she finds herself in a place of of extreme vulnerability because she's up against it. You know, and I guess we could talk about you know kind of the big reveal in, in this episode is Agnes. You know, obviously fans of the comic book series and hearing that name have all sorts of assumptions and familiarity with this character's past in the comic books. But so far, the series hasn't shown her to be the witch that everybody knows she really is until this episode. Mm -hmm. And then we realize, as the song says, it was Agnes all along, frustrating things, making, you know, having her brother show up or at least someone she thought was her brother. I, and I loved it. I, I, I'm really, really excited for the final two episodes in this kind of witch showdown. Yeah, that uh, I'm going to have to read up on some of that. And you sent me a link that we should put in the show notes that gives some of the backstory to this, which I need to read and, and figure out, you know, what all the comic book nerds are like predicting different stuff that's going to happen. Let's talk a bit about how this one was shot. You know, we've... We have, in each podcast episode, we've kind of tried to guess at the next genre of sitcom that they would be taking on. And it seems like they skipped over what I thought they would drop on, which was, 
you know, in the Seinfeld Cheers kind of time frame, and they jumped ahead to this mockumentary kind of documentary style that became famous in the office and parks and rec and you know all is also in modern family i thought you're right the opening was like oh my gosh this is so modern family the opening credits though and like the music and stuff was very office like i thought but the rest of the episode is much more along the lines of modern family do you think that worked that i mean it's called breaking the fourth it was called breaking the fourth wall this this episode and there were some funny moments like when the producer behind the camera asks her a question and wanda's like you're not supposed to talk i don't think you know like what did you think of stuff like that i thought it was again as with every episode so far pitch perfect and i thought the mixture of the cold open which is straight out of modern family well, other series as well, but I mean, just the whole setup of the house and the family, uh, but also having the credits, as you said, feel more like The Office was, an, I thought, a nice homage to what was one of the more influential series of the last couple decades. And, you know, I think they just, they, I wanted to look and see, hey, did they bring in any of the of the crew that worked on Modern Family or shows like that to work on this episode because it just felt so at home obviously until it takes that dark turn at the end and uh, she goes into the basement of agnes's house and then it's kind of goes back to a more straightforward type of show where much like the world on the outside of the barrier yeah it 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 seems like whereas vision tried you know just an episode ago to escape the hex now it seems like he's going to go deeper into the hex and he'll end up having to save wanda most likely from Agatha yeah. or, you know, or Monica Rambo will. I was wondering that like the UPS delivery guy with all the boxes on the dolly seemed very ominous. Like I, I well, had know. a knowing look, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, really. It kind of was like, I know what's going on here. Yeah. And, or yeah, maybe yeah. it was just that absent-minded observing like all the other neighbors, but maybe we get a Rambo vision, a, a Rambo vision team up to save uh-huh. Wanda. Because, I mean, clearly Agnes is is able to withstand Wanda's power, I mean, or her influence. And so Agnes is a character of great strength and power. And so it's going to take, it seems like it's going to take a bit of cooperation from our three heroes to match her. Yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, that I maybe speculate about is you're, you're, you make a good point that Monica doesn't seem afraid of Wanda and she says, you know, okay, fine, bring it on. Like if you're going to do that to me, go go for it. Go for it. And and now we're finding out that maybe Agnes/Agatha is is she really behind everything or it, whether or not she is, it seems like the people who are not afraid of Wanda are the people who are not under her spell. You know what I'm saying? So if, you, if you're if you not afraid yeah. of her, like Monica is no longer in fear of her having already been cast out of the hex once and then going back in. And as a result, she's not, like you said, when she enters, she didn't enter an alternate consciousness. She stayed herself. And now we've got Darcy kind of snapped out of the alternate consciousness by vision. And she's similarly you know, stays herself. So it'll be interesting how many characters infiltrate the hex who don't fall under Wanda's spell and therefore kind of, 
you know, are able to push back against her, although she still obviously has extraordinary power, but she's about to go, you know, head to head with another witch. I like this series for many reasons, but anytime something addresses the the notion of fear, I like, I mean, you know, and it's nothing new to say that our culture is dominated by fear. So any anytime there are characters who are not afraid in the face of, you know, as simple as this sounds, danger yeah. or whatever, but more importantly, who can see through the construct of fear and 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 kind of speak to the heart of the matter. I, I just always find that very compelling. And to see somebody like Rambo who goes through this kind of trial, keenly aware of what could happen to her, but comes through on the other side intact and all, you know, she had her vision changes as well, right? She has something happens with her eyes. And from her perspective, immediately passing through the barrier, she sees Westview how it really is, right? If my assumption is that what she yeah. sees are Wanda's kind of psychic energies, you know, enveloping the town. And, sh and she's able to speak to Wanda in ways that she couldn't uh, right before she was cast out. So this experience of, of being on the outside of that, seeing it for what it really is, going through it changed but not scarred or not hurt is, I don't know, I think there's some parallels there for how we move through our own world and, mm -hmm, and deal with mm -hmm. people who are suffering. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think you're right. And I've been in correspondence with a bunch of people in my family this week because we're, we're passing around a lot of articles about COVID and we're actually starting to get, I mean, look, I've, I've been as COVID safe as anybody I know, quite honestly. I mean, without locking myself in my house, like we wear masks. Courtney and I haven't, like we've been to one restaurant in a year. We don't go to parties. We don't hang out with friends. Like all we do is stay within the people with, within our bubble. We're very strict about it. But it's interesting as the rates are dropping so dramatically, like in our state, for instance, the, the, it's like they're moving goalposts. The, the epidemiologists, and we have a very famous one here named Michael Osterholm, who's on TV and NPR and, and in quoted the newspaper all the time. And all he does is preach fear. He doesn't ever say... You know, the end is in sight. There's light at the end of the tunnel. He, he just, this week is being like March. He's like, the month of March 2021 is going to be the worst month yet in the entire pandemic. It's like, there's no way based on the number, like the numbers would have to do such a dramatic turnaround. And what they're trying to do is keep people wearing masks, you know, and, and distancing. I get it. But uh, it's totally the boy who cried wolf. And what frustrates me is that, journalists aren't holding these epidemiologists accountable and being like, I'm going to play that quote back for you in a month when we get to the end of March. And it wasn't the worst month. In fact, the numbers keep getting better because so many people are vaccinated and more people are wearing masks and stuff like that. Fear works, I guess, is the point. And I get it why they rely on preaching fear. It's not dissimilar to you know, many churches that you and I have seen over our careers in the church. Preaching fear works. It gets people in the pews. It gets people to write big checks because you're holding the threat of hell over their heads. But if, you know, if it's not true, who cares if it works? Yeah, I couldn't disagree with you more. 
fundamentally in terms of the pandemic, just being married to someone who works in the medical field. I, I take your point about numbers, especially now and the decline is something to be very thankful for. But we've seen in the past how rapidly that can change. And I do not think that this pandemic has proven that we're the smartest species. I mean, we're faced with this crisis. Largely, a public response has been, don't tell me what to do. And I don't know whether March is going to be bad or not. I think uh, there's a point that you make about if the trend continues, it won't be, to your point. But I don't know any epidemiologist in the middle of a pandemic who would ever say that. And I don't think that's based out of fear so much as the knowledge of how quickly this thing spreads with variants. No, there are epidemiologists saying, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to argue with you about that. The, 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 there are epidemiologists saying things are getting better. We're on the brink of declaring victory, not that it's over, but that we have crossed the threshold because, you know, 30% of the population has had it and 30% has been vaccinated. So we're you know, we're close to herd immunity and we can start to let kids go back to school. Yeah. That's the big argument here in Minnesota is can kids go back to school? And there are epidemiologists saying, yes, for God's sake, even the even Biden is saying it. Our governor is saying it. Put the kids back in school and the superintendents and the school boards and the and the teachers unions are not heeding the advice of the people who actually have the data this is part of the problem is that so much fear has been preached for so long it's hard to now walk that back you know i, I look it's not just about the pandemic it's about cnn breathlessly reporting on every crazy tweet that trump put out there like is democracy going to fail and it's fear sells and fear works and yeah. you know it it's i just think you're right i mean you said it before like this show is actually tapping some kind of a zeitgeist ted lasso isn't ted lasso is escapist it's sweet it's loving. It makes yeah, you cry it, at the but end. But that's a tonic. This show and others that you and I have watched are are dark, foreboding, and and, and they do engender fear. Which I think you're right. It is the it is such a big part of our world right now is fear. So I I ultimately agree with you that it's part of the reason I think Wandavision is so wildly successful. Yeah, I um. I've been thinking about and and talking to various folks who are at different stages of life than me about just the nuance of a people. We've had more conservative people we know in different parts of the country say, you know, like commenting on wearing masks out in public or out when we're walking our dog or whatever and just getting on with life. They're like, well, I'm just I'm not afraid of the virus. This is a thing I've heard multiple times from people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have never been afraid of this virus ever. My, my decision, as you said, and I, and I know you, and I know you mean what you say, my decision to heed epidemiologists advice is not based out of fear, right? It's based out of respect for my neighbor and their well-being. And so in the, as, as we continue to move forward and hopefully into that, into that time where this has become simply another thing against which we are, you know, vaccinated every few years, right? You go get a booster or whatever, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet, mm -hmm. but how, as we continue 
to, in the home stretch, hopefully, how can we continue to be mindful of other safety, of our own safety, without it being fear-based, as you suggest some of these conversations are? And some are. I don't, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. But it's, it's that, you know, and I think, you know, Rambo is that person, right? She's, she's cautious. She's understanding. She's ultimately respectful of Wanda. Yeah. But she's not afraid of her, you know? No, so, that's right. You know. And that might be that, that might be the key, right? That might be the key that unlocks yeah. the door is to not be afraid of Wanda and her power. And that's the way you can actually get through to her and help her deal with her grief in a way that releases thousands mm. of people who are I- imprisoned yeah. by the hex, by her or hex. By the, you know? Or by the COVID quarantine. Well, we or the COVID there, quarantine. brother. Well, I think you're, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I <laughs> yeah. may disagree with you on some, on some of the issues here or some of the, the approaches that people take, but I do and have always agreed with you about just this fundamental lack of nuance. And that's what I like about a show like WandaVision, that it's not yeah. simply black and white, even though we had a couple episodes that were black and white, but where, you know, especially around the schools and stuff, and we won't belabor the point, but I do think you're right there from the start has, we've never had that complex, but also we were in a once in a, cen- a century kind of thing. So, you know, trying to make room for a little bit of mm-hmm. humanity, but yeah, I think this show allows us to go to these places and, and I, and I hope other people are having similar yeah. conversations or at least enjoying it in the ways that, that I think it warrants, you know, from a, a little bit deeper perspective than just another Marvel series, you know? Yep. Yes, indeedy. Well, thanks everybody for listening. 30 minute mark, everybody. <laughs> C- couple, couple. Tony's uh, got to go. Couple apps. What are you doing, Tony? Cu- couple apps left to Tell go. Tell what you're doing. Ki- going to look at kitchen cabinets and countertops for my kitchen remodel. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Killer Serials. We got two more episodes left of WandaVision. Hang in there with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.